my frame of reference would be maybe like first century Christianity where they had they met in people's houses that was the church of, 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 of that. they didn't have church buildings right they only just emerged as a, as a separate faith to Judaism so they'd go to the uh, synagogue on the Saturday and then they'd meet at people's houses on the Sunday to celebrate the Eucharist the, the Lord's Supper they'd have a meetup and it, but it was it, it was decentralized, right? If you look, if you go back and look at Paul's letters, like Paul would write letters to the different churches around Asia Minor, and it was, it was so it was this decentralized. It was very similar, and and I'm I'm sounding now like I'm making Bitcoin out to be a religion, but I'm, I'm not. But but I, I guess in just in terms of it being this kind of revolution of people with these different ideas to the mainstream meeting up, and actually and just in this kind of punk almost punk way, building something up from the from the ground up, the grassroots. Hello, I am Cody Allingham and this is the Transformation of Value podcast. In this episode, I talk with Dash of the Tokyo Citadel Builders podcast and community. We dive deep into some of the game theory and scenarios that Bitcoin and hyperbitcoinization presents, as well as what the broader economic landscape may look like in the future. Just as the internet has become far more than just digital versions of letters and newspapers, Bitcoin may not just be digital money as we know it, but an entirely new paradigm of value transfer and wealth storage that is difficult to fathom while we still exist in the current system. Thus it is important to broach these ideas and have creative discussions to try and paint a picture of what may come to pass. I also talk with Dash about the role of faith and purpose and meaning more broadly in these trying and changing times. If you have any questions or would like to reach out, my emails are always open, hello at thetransformationofvalue.com. If you would like to support the show, please consider leaving a review or boosting some sats via your favorite podcasting 2.0 platform. Otherwise, on to the show. been getting into a lot more of the political stuff the last few months and learning a lot. How do you, how do you find that though, trying to engage with political thought and mm. Bitcoin and sort of balancing those two? Well, it's not natural for me because I, I always kind of ignored politics. I, I'm a, I like to think of myself as a pragmatic person. So that's why I was focusing on more the technological, technological side of Bitcoin and the privacy because it seemed that that was something I could control. I could actually do, you know, if you the, the things you learn, you can actually put into use in your real life from, from that day, right? Whereas with political stuff, it's so abstract and it just seems so... Um, me kind of pointless to study it, but then, but then I, I just feel like in terms of, you know, I did a lot of soul searching, and I thought, well, what's what? What are we doing this for? What is this Bitcoin thing about? Um, one of the things that on our recent podcast that we've done is we we did um we we sort of deconstructed this idea that Bitcoin of Bitcoin as a religion, so it's something that both of us had noticed that was cropping up in the Bitcoin circles. And I don't remember the Indonesia Bitcoin conference where they even had a golden calf. Um, there was, a, there was a, a video that went viral on Twitter and they literally had a golden calf at the Indonesian Bitcoin conference, right? It was something like, like out of the Old Testament. And so that irked both of us. And um, so we, we you know, we, we sort of, we've gone through Okay, well, what, why is that a problem? And you know, we've 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 you know broken down something written by what's her name? Uh, I think it's Na- Naomi Hayase. I want to say she's a she's a prominent Bitcoiner. I don't know if you know her. She wrote something called like Bitcoin is the new Messiah, and it was like this. It was it was the it was the idea of Bitcoin and religion sort of in in prose form, and it was just we you know we 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 did a, a reading on on a show, 
and just deconstructed it. And um, and for me, it's like, that's why I've been getting into politics because it's like, okay, well now, you know, I feel like I am comfortable with Bitcoin as the tool. I feel like, um, you know, obviously there's, there's more to learn. There's more, and, I'm, and I'll continue to learn those things, but it's like, why am I doing this? Like what, what, what is the point in having Bitcoin? If if our, if the thesis is correct and, and our purchasing power does increase, what are we going to do with that? Because Bitcoin's just a means to an end. It's just a tool. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Bitcoin as a as a kind of religious movement, and I had Rigel Walsh on on the show um, a little while back, who's a Kiwi guy who spoke about that at uh, Riga, I mm. believe. Um, um, I'm, at the I'm just fact-checking myself here, by the way. Yeah. I'm not being no, no, rude. No, that's okay. Um, but we, we talked about it, and, and it sort of really had these parallels where, you know, the Bitcoiners, I guess you could say in the broad sense, were brought together by the sense that there is a, a goodness or a righteousness to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a kind of call to action. There's kind of a way of speaking about Bitcoin stuff. And it certainly can have a lot of those tones of religiousness. Yeah. Um, and in, in many ways in a secular society, it's like kind of what do you latch on to? Well, exa- exactly. So, but this is the pro- So for me, that's a problem, right? Because I'm, and, and Andy, my co-host, we're believing Christians, you know, and that's a, um, among a, a certain segment of the Western population. That's a, that's a dying breed, right? Um, and so, for us, for me, well, let me speak for myself. So, you know, I, I believe the human creature is yeah, created to worship, and so, it, and we can, we can talk in secular terms. If, if we, you know, we've evolved to worship whatever, whatever, however, from whatever framing you like, but. And so if you don't have, for example, Christianity um, or your beliefs rooted in so, a system like Christianity, something else will emerge which looks like Christianity, you know, but it's but it's different. A, God, that, a God-shaped hole, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I mean, what you're saying, though, I mean, it makes sense. And it's sort of, uh, I've been reading or rereading, actually, a, a book, um, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, which mm. is sort of talk about masculine archetypes and sort of the development of modern man and sort of Mm. the challenges around bringing those all together in this modern sort of secular world we live in Mm. and you know doing a lot of self-reflection on what that means for me and what my responsibilities are and Mm. in a way you know bitcoin thinking you know the principles that go into it really help i don't know provide a way back to that sort of frame Mm. of mind um but as you say, a lot of it is also being, uh, I don't want to say hijacked. What, what's the word we're looking for here? It's its being taken up. Um, the pills are being swallowed. Mm. And it's this profound experience that maybe hasn't happened before in many people's lives, do you think? Oh, maybe. I, 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 I guess so. I th- and I think we've been lo- looking in the West, we've been privileged. And maybe, we, you know many of us sort of haven't gone on that hero's journey because we haven't had to. Have you gone on the hero's journey? I feel like some, somewhat. I mean, for, for myself, I, you know, I have, I have kids <laughs> and that helps. And, you know, and I, I, I chose to do it on hard mode. You know, I had kids young. Um, and so I had to grow up pretty fast. And, you know, being in a... Um, how do you say like a mixed marriage uh, culturally is a big challenge when it comes to raising kids 
Um, and so, you know, I feel like that forced me to grow up and sort of go on, go through that hero's journey. And then, what, what, you know, what are we talking about with the hero's journey? Well, I think it's where you sort of descend into the underground a little, a little bit, right? It's like you, you realize how inadequate you are and just what a huge task you have ahead of you. And, and, you know, that can make or break a man, right? But it's when you decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go on the journey. I'm going to improve. I'm going to be up to the challenge. And then you spend a certain amount of time in kind of monk mode, whatever you want to call it, where you're, where you're, really driven and focused and, and improving yourself and and it's but it's a selfless thing because it's it's not just like you're doing it for your own ego you're doing it because you know you're the one that your family is relying on and if you if you don't do it you it's not just your life you're screwing up you're screwing up their lives too so there's this huge responsibility that keeps you just on that on that on that journey is doesn't matter how difficult it is doesn't matter what kind of stuff you have to put up with at work which is a lot right um so yeah, I mean, and, and Bitcoin was just part as just just the, another chapter for me in that because why you know ultimately why am I doing Bitcoin? I mean, it's 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 it has to be to that end where I'm protecting my family's uh, wealth in in Bitcoin. It's a tool to do that. Um, it's it's it gives us optionality in case there's some some maybe problems in Japan in the future. Let's say there was some persecution or we had to leave. That all these things that could happen that you think about when you have that responsibility um bitcoin is potentially an answer to that or it could help with those things um but i feel like you know in, in our in in the west maybe there's a lot of people who you know maybe that they, they don't have kids for example um and they have reason comfortable middle class lives and and they've never really been challenged like that and so uh, maybe they haven't they haven't had those dark nights of the soul and they haven't really been looking for answers of that kind of depth until maybe yeah Bitcoin came along and then they started to think about it and and maybe it's just an age thing and a generation thing as well because we're we're, we're reaching that age where kind of mid middle age right where you start ask you start being very keenly aware of your own mortality and and so I guess I guess you know whether you have kids or not you everyone faces that so um you know and then and then people they're looking for those answers but i you know i feel like with bitcoin you're looking at the answers in completely the wrong places it's bitcoin is just a tool it's like it, it would be like looking at a hammer and and saying okay we're going to worship the hammer because it helps us build houses but it's like no the hammer just helps you build a house but then what you're going to do with the house that's important and it's nothing to do with the hammer the hammer just helps you get there so that's that's my framing now with bitcoin it's just i really want to keep it i want to i want to keep it as that it's it's a tool it's a really good tool it's really interesting tech but it's it's a means to the end and then what i want to focus more on now is what's what's the end what you know what comes next what do you use the bitcoin to to do yeah yeah that's um thank you for that dash um i mean reflecting on sort of where i'm at you know i think there's certainly a political connection to all of this which i've been wrapping my brain around a lot really over the last few weeks when i've seen um, a few things happen in the bitcoin space more broadly a few conversations taking place which i don't want to say i'm disappointed in them but i'm very aware of the, the shortcomings of these conversations and the way that they sort of 
promote the technology or, or certain kind of principles, economic principles above all else. And mm. what I'm referring to is uh, libertarianism and mm. Austrian economics and sort of the way that those two things are seen as sort of an, an absolute principle that's just kind of been slipped in along with mm. the Bitcoin kind of thing. Mm. And ultimately, I mean, humans are political creatures and we live mm. in communities and we always have and we always will. And sort of, I, I guess what I'm referring to is that there's this sort of ideology of, the, you know, the free market of an absolute economic reality, which doesn't take into account kind of the, the cultural uh, elements of the way society is organized, um, the kind of human element to it. Um, and I think the debate around those, I almost feel like that's lacking. And I, I don't know how else to sort of say it. It's sort of feels like there's a bit more maturity to bring to that and and this is sort of the political science of bitcoin which i often think about like what what lens are we going to look at it through because if we reduce it down to technology then we're no better than the communists and their kind of no. objectivism of the in the objectivity of the way societies should function instead mm. of the way they do function if that sort of mm. makes sense it does um, and well i push back a little bit on your framing is that as a communist thing because I mean one of the things that I've so I say that I've been reading a lot of political stuff I mean one of the one of the things I've been reading is Curtis Yarvin I don't know if you know Curtis Yarvin very interesting guy and he writes a lot about um, essentially how would you say like um, you've, you know you've got court history yeah the king's court yeah. Kinda, yeah okay so he brings a perspective which is different he's a sort of a I would call him a historian at least the stuff I've read is it's like a political historian but he he will quote a lot of primary sources from think for example the civil war era the american uh the american rebellion or as or as he calls it but the american um revolution era and he he'll even talk about the stuarts and he'll go back to british parliament uh british uh um the monarchy the history of the monarchy and and again, he'll quote primary sources of the of the time of the side that didn't win whatever conflict, right? And and so court history is written by the winners. And so we we all have an idea about the American Civil War. It was about freeing the slaves. You know, Lincoln was some like a saint. Um, and and you read more con contemporary accounts from both sides. Thanks to Yarvin, who brings that all together, um, you start to realize that it was a far more nuanced and complicated thing and 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 you can apply that to world war Two and and but what but what one thing i've come to see is our government well i'm talking i guess about the us and the uk governments and political systems not that different to the Russian communists um or even the nazis okay so ov obviously there's there are some important differences but in 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 terms of um this idea that you can kind of centrally plan um, an economy or a government can kind of um, uh, redistribute resources and the answer to all the problems is the government or or is the you know it's the high priests of the day you know it's it's Harvard it's Oxford it's what Yarvin calls the cathedral it's the New York Times it's that kind of you know it's the in the in crowd and they get to decide, you know, uh, how much money is going to be printed, and they get to decide who gets that money, and they get to decide whether we all get vaccinated or not, um, because they because they went to the right schools, and um, you know they they speak with the right accents, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, 
and I so I I, I don't like in that fundamental way I, f- I feel like I don't, well, like what's the difference really between an America and and Russia in terms of how the Washington or Moscow tries to control everything in in this top down way it tries to centrally plan everything and is arrogant enough to think they can do that do you, do you see what I'm getting at so I I've just you know I, I'm not here to say you know. I'm picked to pick a side or to say one's better than the other. I would rather live in the West than than not. But I mean, this 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 line that we're given that the West is so superior morally and democracy is such a superior, you know, and and we're so different to the Russians or whatever. I, I don't buy that anymore. Yeah. I, um, I, how do I put this? So the particular example that comes to mind for me is the conversation happening around Dubai and. Mm the United Arab Emirates and you know there's no personal income tax Uh, there's sort of this kind of purely economic freedom in the sense that you don't you're not being taxed as heavily as many other places and I see Mm. conversations that that somehow trumps the the ability Mm. to innovate on governance and the ability to kind of misbehave at a low level and what I mean by that this kind of blind faith in property rights for example that doesn't really take into account the fact that, you know, most teenagers are going to have a period where they're a bit rebellious and they want to mm. break stuff mm. and chopping off a hand for doing that or kind of, you know, the, the punishment needs to be in proportion to the crime. And, and I think that there's this kind of messy consensus which comes about and certainly from New Zealand I see that where, you know, at a low level you, you it is messy and there's a lot of failings and it's very slow. However... It, it still kind of works and it enables this kind of humanism to emerge whereas sort of some of these purely economic kind of systems approaches to organizing are still they still feel very centralized in the, their kind of thought process that you know we're all just going to be obedient citizens and economic actors and it doesn't take into account that there's always going to be the the, the down and out artist or the the kind of rebellious kid trying to do mm. something and just, I guess what I'm interested in is how you have conversations that take all of that into account in a very humanistic way, mm. if that sort of makes sense. So it's sort of not holding these places up on a pedestal. No, it totally does. I, I push back on, like, so humanism has become a little bit of a dirty word for me. Okay. Um, because for a couple of reasons, but I kind of tie in humanism with scienceism. In this this trend that I've seen in, in the quote unquote cathedral, the you know the establishment, the Western intelligentsia, if you like, where there's this kind of arrogant presumption that um, through human ingenuity we can do anything, and that the you know humans are fundamentally and amazing and good. You know, an enlightenment kind of approach to it. And so like, yeah, right. We can, we can build anything. Yeah, put our minds to it. Yeah, and I I see that as a little bit hubristic, and then I think about and again, it, and it comes back to maybe my you know can, reconnecting with my Christian faith, but for example, in the Bible, you have the talk, the Tower of Babel story, which I think is great, and it's and to me, I you know you can interpret that story in many different ways, maybe, but. For me, it's it's a tale of human hubris. It's this tale as old as time, where people think they can, through their own human ingenuity and engineering, build a tower to heaven, which is maybe a metaphor for a utopia on Earth, right? And it all falls apart, and they end up speaking different languages. 
in the story if you if you recall it but um I, you know i feel like that plays out throughout history again and again and again and the problem with humanism is it it puts the human at the center because it's kind of this human worship and you, you fall into hubris um and you also risk um you know being naive right because the human has a lot of depth and you know yes we can reach for the stars and 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 but we you know i feel like human evil and human corruption reaches all the way down to to hell at the same time right so you have both of those in the human and in all in all of in all of us right there's that light and dark and i feel like in the west there's a tendency to downplay the the you know that that capacity for evil or project it just entirely onto our enemies quote-unquote enemies right like it's putin's evil but we're not we're good right we're we're demo democratic and so yeah for that for those reasons i really i'm really wary of 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 humanism and any 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 time i hear that kind of and, and and that is essentially the religion of the west now as well and this is another one of yarvin's ideas i mean he calls it universalism but it's this idea that um essentially humanism stroke universalism is a non-theistic evolution of christianity <laughs> and it sounds crazy a non-theistic christianity but there's a lot of assumptions people make in the west about what is right and wrong and um which actually is grounded in the christian tradition because you can make the argument and, and you can you can go back and you can read obviously the likes of Dostoevsky and Nietzsche saw this problem a couple of hundred years ago and you can you can go back and you can read those books and see that play, play out in there but I mean simply speaking um, the, the there's a you know that we, we have this foundation uh, to our culture which is Christianity and through the process of the enlightenment and through uh, you know science because the scientists becoming the high priests of, of our time um it, people stop believing in the supernatural uh elements of christianity this even goes back to like T tolstoy for example he rewrote the gospels and he took out he became obsessed with christianity in the latter period of his life but he rewrote the gospels and took out all the supernatural stuff and he and, and and he sort of reduced the gospels and, and jesus to this just this kind of uh how would you say this ethical teacher you know and um this i think is what is the the dominant evolved if you want to call it like if you want to talk in richard dawkins terms it's like this that's the meme it's the mimetic thing where christianity has evolved to be non-theistic now so you don't have to believe in the miracles or uh, anything like that but we believe in the ethics and then we believe in Jesus was kind of a cool guy. He's like a hippie who told us all to love each other, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that is not only in the Church of England, not only in the Catholic Church, they like Syria, for right, right up to the hierarchy in those institutions, they kind of have, that's how they see the faith. And, and that's kind of tacitly just kind of, I think, accepted by the majority of the, at least the quote unquote intelligentsia, you know, the media types, etc., cetera, ed university educated types in the West. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's dangerous because you've kind of taken the keystone away from the, the whole belief system and, and you've tried to keep the good parts and just, you know, flush, flush away the kind of, uh, difficult to, parts to contend with. But, you know, there was, there was a reason that that keystone was there. 
you know, and, and the people who developed that system developed it in far more trying times than we currently live in. Uh, you know, thanks to things like um, us discovering fossil fuels and, and having access to so much energy now, it made our lives a lot easier. We don't have to labor in, labor in fields anymore. Um, you know, we, we, we live lives which are so much more comfortable than our ancestors, but that, that, that isn't guaranteed to last forever. And there's signs in, indeed that that is coming to an end, right? We're heading into potentially more difficult times from rocky waters. And that is when people are going to get tested with this lightweight, non-theistic Christianity, which has become the, you know, dominant, I would say, you know, religion of the West. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm ranting a little bit here or, or um, you know, but, um, but I, I, and I don't know how that relates to Bitcoin, um, but it, but, but I guess it relates in the, in the sense that, you know, I think, People are sensing that we're going into these difficult times, these choppy waters, and they're kind of panicking a little bit. People are getting a little bit scared um, with things like global warming and the financial potential financial collapse, etc. And I think the internet kind of intensifies this because we're we're all aware that things aren't going great, and so maybe people are scrambling for meaning in that sense as well. And, and one of the things they're clinging to is Bitcoin and thinking Bitcoin's going to save them, but you know, Bitcoin's going to maybe save your purchasing power, but that's that's all that's all and then and then beyond that you know in terms of saving your own your own soul or you know whatever you want to say in a secular sense um saving your own mental health you know that's that's a completely different story yeah i often think that we are living i mean we are living in a post-truth society Mm. and this has been a, a big theme for me to explore through my work, through my creative work, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky to have a, a, another vehicle, not just this show, but also my, my creative work allows me to sort of interface with that, um, you know, that muse of of thought and kind of extract and give back to it. And I often think, you know, man, you, you can't trust anything uh, except uh, what's on your Bitcoin node and what it tells you because the news and everything is absolutely corrupted and it, mm. it, it does feel a bit biblical. In, in a way you mm. know we've just kind of got this mess um uh, uh what would you call it it's, it's yeah not not even amnesia but it's just kind of psychosis of, yes of everything and it's like we're uber connected mm. uh our, our media is telling us one thing but the truth is something else and there also feels like it, it's been going on for a while and sort of slowly been ramping up and it, even just sort of the mode of living you know often you know, we, we, we all talk about sort of fiat living and mm. what fiat kind of means, but it, it really does sort of start to become obvious in many parts of our lives how empty and unfulfilling it is. Mm. Um, and with this kind of promise of just on the horizon of sort of, um, you know, we, we will have an abundance and, and sort of this, this great life, but then at the same time, that, that's, that, that's gone away. We've, we've been given this kind of doomsday millennialism mm. yep. kind of end of times kind of, yeah. prophecy as well and it's sort of like we're being swung between the two the promise mm. of you know of mammon and the the, the also this kind of looming uh sort of damocles of mm. global warming or, or the end i mean it's, it can be quite confusing spiritually i think for a lot of people yeah well i think that's probably archetypal right in that there's always a an armageddon and there's always a, a heaven dichotomy right in in that would be expressed in the christian thinking it would be it would be described in those terms in in the in the secular in the humanist or universalist uh, sense it seems to be on one hand you've got the kind of star trek of the 
60s or even next generation of the 90s if you remember that show but where that was the kind of utopia right that was the the heaven where we would engineer a way out of all these problems we'd get off this rock we'd go out there and explore in the the universe and then you know on the other hand you've got the the global warming thing which is the armageddon and that's the, and it's linked to sin right because it's us that's, you know when you throw out a plastic bottle you're the one that's causing the it's consumption right yeah it's linked to sin. so it's it's and 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 Kurt Yarvin thinks that this is linked to Calvinism. It's fascinating. So if you look at where this comes from, a lot of it comes from New England, or you know that you know New York, like East, East Coast America, um, which was puritanical, right? Established by Pur- puritanicals and Calvinists. Um, so he thinks it's like this uh, evolution of um, it's the latest irritate um, evolution of the Puritans, which is a scary thought. But um, yeah, I you know. I think, and it, but I don't think it's necessarily a new thing because if you go back to the '60s, people were uh, terrified of the nu- of nuclear Armageddon, right? That was you've always got that existential despair or angst or or whatever in any in any um, generation. I'm sure that's there. Uh, but but to think that the you know the latest manifestation of it in the West is somehow you know there, there is this assumption and it's it's, it's hilarious. Um, Yavin pointed out that um, he, he de- deconstructs some of Richard Dawkins's writings, and Dawkins has, has has this kind of arrogance where you know everyone else is kind of superstitious and unscientific, and but he's on the side of the you know truth and rationality, and and yet he'll t- he talks about the zeit he, uh, he uh, Dawkins uses the word zeitgeist in his writings to refer to this gradual direction of history whereby things are going in a in the right direction things are getting better morally and in, in all sorts of ways and this is just this tacit assumption that Dawkins has in in this kind of it's almost like a manifest destiny kind of way of thinking but it's not scientific right why why if you think about breaking if you think about it rationally why would history always go in the good a good direction well, it's necessarily metaphysical. There, there is no, um, there's no formula or, you know, schematic for that. Mm. It, it is the, the hand of fate and the mm. billiard boards or the billiard balls of fate. If on one hand, but it could also be the, the, the you know the guided um, right. direction of of history as well. And so you you kind of get given these two things it's like the absolute randomness and chaos Mm. of atoms and molecules or some sort of divine plan Mm. both of which have equally kind of terrifying but also Mm. um you know a certain sense of relief on on one of them i would imagine which is that there is a plan for it all because Mm. if it is all just chaos and Mm. matter and energy floating around bouncing around it sort of gives this great sense of unease that maybe there's no Mm. there's no purpose to any of it and you know you start working through these kind of levels of thinking, and eventually it can be quite overwhelming to, oh, actually, absolutely, you know, realize oh you know what what's it all about? I mean, I had a, a little moment uh, yesterday. I was out at Enoshima Island, mm. just sitting there on the rocks, watching the waves, and sort of feeling it all happen. And you see everyone kind of come in and take photos and then leave. And I just sat there for about half an hour watching the waves and the people and how they both seem to sort of wash over the land. Mm. You know, it's all temporary. You know, Bashal mm. saw this you know, hundreds of years ago. 
um, others have seen all of this come and go right. and they've all left this earth this earthly right. plane um, and and I found that moment you know and, and that there's this great sense of kind of the 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 oneness and the completeness of it mm. all um, and it's sort of taking a, a step away from that and not trying to Instagram it was kind mm. of my first step and so I think in a way and you know, a lot of these challenges we're facing come from this sort of hyper connected world we live in and, mm. and that sort of in a way Bitcoin starts to help with that as a tool though because it gives you a reference for truth in the sense that yeah. um, you know the money and the governance and all of that is full of shit but you can at least be sure about your money mm -hmm. and then with some of the associated technology and some of the kind of thought that's sort of surrounding and wrapping Bitcoin you start being able to curate and understand what's going on maybe politically or locally at least in your, your own community um, mm. with some of the decentralized media technology and things like Nostra so, so there's kind of this scaffold effect where we're trying to rebuild kind of really from the beginning all of these systems again it doesn't seem like it would be as easy to just I mean it would it'd be a nice thought to think we could just move over into what we you know take what we've got and move it into um, this new paradigm of Bitcoin but it really feels like we're going to have to rebuild everything all mm. of these systems I mean how do you feel about that yeah well I, that, that's a great question um, I before get into that I just wanted to comment on your um, the people being like waves which was interesting that you said that um, the 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 one description of the, why we're here that I heard is scientific that made the most sense to me was um, it was this, it was this really um, I've never I've never I've never heard anyone really talk about this lecture it was um, very very smart guy actually a Kiwi that I know who who shared this lecture with me very obscure thing but it was it was it was someone who was arguing that essentially you would expect intelligent life to emerge in a system because it was a, a means of um dis distributing heat like en entropy essentially like so that kind of made sense and it's, it's like on, on on some on some level of reality we we only exist to facilitate this you know dis distribution dissipation of heat yeah. Von, von Neumann machines just taking it around different yeah. parts of the world different yeah. parts of the galaxy yeah yeah um which which you know um but um but i mean like with computer science you know i, I think that reality has a number of layers of abstraction right so if you, if you consider computing it's it's all electrical charge on a in a in a in a microchip right whether it's a plus it's a zero or a one at some level of reality that's represented by electrons on on, a, on another you got a slightly higher level of abstraction it's uh, assembly language and a slightly higher maybe it's c slightly higher than that you know you maybe you're talking about the application layer or the, sorry the operating system right then the application then it's the peep then it's what you're seeing on the screen at each level you've got i mean it's essentially the same thing but it's just it's it you know it's just different level of abstraction, right? And 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 at each level, there's a different kind of meaning which you can project onto it. Um, and I, I think probably life is something some similar to that. But um, to get to your point about your sorry your question about um, um, it was you were talking about Bitcoin as a as a sort of grounding, and we that we, would we have to build out new systems completely on top of that or could we so i, I guess imp implied when your question was could could 
could we modify existing systems or do we have to completely rebuild things? So we've got a few different things going on here. I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, I'm sitting there on this rock, you know, feeling the feeling the rock and watching the ocean and, and realizing that we've got this mass psychosis of mm. um, late stage fear, late stage capitalism, mm. um, a huge, you know, a huge lot of unknowns for a lot of people, a huge lot of fear and uncertainty um, around the world. Is it simply a case of an, an ETF is going to fix this? <laughs> you know, is it a case that we're just going to be able to roll into a new system or is there some more um, yeah. larger kind of revolution, spiritual right. or cultural or technolo- technological that is going mm. to be required to really usher in this new age? Um, mm. The one that comes to mind is the industrial revolution. Mm. But I mean, how do you see the transition to a Bitcoin world? Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a great question. That's a massive question. So, first the ETF. Let's address that. So the E word. <laughs> and I think it's, I think the ETF is absolutely absurd. Um, I mean, I guess steel man. It, it's like a it's like a layer two for suits. That's the best description I've seen of it. It's a layer. It's a custodial layer two for suits. They can get price exposure. Um, I get, in that sense, I guess it kind of makes sense, but it's so anti- antithetical to the the what I see as the the one and only use case of Bitcoin. The the, the only reason it really exists is. Um, as to be a, a censor and Caesar resistant form of property, um, which is digital native to the internet. So you can own it and nobody needs to know that. You can transact and nobody needs to know that. Nobody can stop that. Um, you could you could pick up your, you know, sticks and, and leave, cross borders, take all of your wealth with you. But uh, essential to that is that you understand public-private key pair cryptography, right? So you, to the level at least you need to know how to um, self-custody to keep a, a, a secret, a 24 or 12 words. And that's not that difficult, but it is difficult and it's not exactly intuitive. Um, and it's kind of scary. So it's it's a leap of faith, right? But if you're not doing that, to me, there's absolutely no point in Bitcoin. It's it's absurd to own to think you own to price exposure to this thing. What anyone who's thinking of buying the ETF for that reason, I would say, well, buy just buy the S and P five hundred. It's far to me. It's far better. The S and P five hundred is number go up tech. Think about it. All the good, all the regulation around the stock market is designed to pump the damn price. I mean, it's it it. Governments are almost explicit now in this. They think they think they have a mandate to pump the stock market. I mean, Trump was very explicit about this, right? I mean, Trump, the only difference between Trump and Biden and you know the establishment really is that Trump was actually willing to say the things that you're not supposed to say. And his policies aren't that different. If you think about Biden's policy, I mean, how many policies has Biden overturned or from the Trump era? So, um, you know, they they have things like circuit breakers. What's that? What's the point of the circuit breaker? 
Well, I, I guess we, we talk about the ETF, and I mean, in the sense, though, that it is a legacy um, kind of vehicle for this new thing called Bitcoin. And I just, I mean, I'm in between sort of two worlds here where I think, on one hand, you know, it just sort of rolls out nice and easy, and it's this thing that slowly, hegemonically kind of becomes dominant. On the other hand, though, I also see, you know, the, the kind of doomsday of massive you know nation state failures um you know mm. financial collapse and then that's the only thing left and kind of between those two worlds there's this great chasm of sort of discussion and i i, I kind of call it bitcoinism sort of like mm. what all of that means um and and that's where i think there's a lot to kind of you know there's a lot of things to bring into that because purely market forces and the kind of free market approach to it means you know uh, are we just going to have something similar to a kind of a, a Hayek or a Rothbardian kind of vision of, of sound money and we just live our lives and be productive workers? Mm. Or is there necessarily some other stuff that happens in there, similar to the way we didn't just go into the Industrial Revolution and continue the way things were, but you know, with machines, it, it really changed society and it was this kind of yin and yang into a new way of being. And at the same time, that brought in this kind of Nietzschean argument around the death of God and mm. kind of the role of spirituality and, and mm. all of that, which kind of connects with what we were talking about before. So I guess, how do we even, before we talk about what's going to happen, how do we even begin to talk about what is in this gap, in this gaping hole in the future mm. that we can sort of maybe cast our eyes towards, you know, let's bust out our crystal ball and have it think about it, you know? So I'm, I'll make it so about the gap. So are you talking about the gap between the legacy, like the legacy financial world, and the and and this new thing that's emerging? Is that the gap you're talking about? Yeah, I, I, that. And the, I mean, we kind of know what the the thing on the other side is. We've got you know hyper Bitcoinization, right? And mm. we can theorize around what that looks yeah. like. Well, should we get into that? Because I yeah okay. Well, so I don't, I don't foresee a future of hyper Bitcoinization where I'm just going into Seven Eleven and I'm buying a coffee with Sats. And so, is there, do we differ on that? So, what what you just said though is like, I guess what I'm getting at is not what it's going to be, but how do we talk about it? Because what you're talking about, Seven Eleven, mm. um, you know, what does that even mean? What you know, what what does it mean to what? buy stuff from a convenience store? Is that mm. not a fiat institution of where you know mm. convenience? You know, for example. Mm. Uh, what is the lens? Well, yeah, exactly. Like, what is the lens that we look at for even having a debate or a? Yeah. So, well, so let me define hype. Like, for me, people say, "Well, what do you see? What does Bitcoin look like if it succeeds?" I guess that's a good question because some people say, "Well, it's hyper Bitcoinization." And what? Well, what's that mean? It means, oh, we we don't use fiat anymore. We're just using Bitcoin. I don't see that ever happening, actually. Um, Maybe it'll be a base. It'll be the base of the financial system, where people will be kind of using an abstraction on top of Bitcoin. I mean, that would make sense. But um, Bitcoin has scaling issues, um, which we all know about. Lightning has scaling issues related to the base layer scaling issues. Um, there's there's the, the and there's the knowledge gap, and there's the fact that most people just don't want to mess around with uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, well, I, I guess. The way so this is where I'm bringing it back to sort of some of this um, socialist international kind of old school communist rhetoric, which is that somehow you know the proletariat will just right. wake up and you know start moving. Yeah. I, I agree with you, man. I, yeah. I don't think it just happens. I think it lives within uh, hierarchies of knowledge mm. and it lives within systems of um, almost sort of technocratic, you know, mm. um, skill mm -hmm. sets being able to manage 
private keys it, it, it doesn't sound like a lot but it is kind of magical in a way in, in the same degree that you know the internet would have seemed magical to someone in the in the 50s right mm. um having this magic money that you can just memorize you know mm. that, that that's quite a profound concept and there's a reason why a lot of people don't get it and so how do we have conversations around kind of the the anthropology of the future of a bitcoin world you know like how do we draw it out because it certainly won't look like we just go into a convenience store and, and spend mm. sats it's almost like do we have a decentralization of these ways of being where you've got people like you and i maybe mm. who are on a bitcoin standard yeah you've got people who are locked away in the fiat standard yeah you know what i mean i think so yeah yeah so i think if anything we you may replace one elite with another this is maybe what we're seeing right and i think correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the history of the world is this essentially where the, yeah this this kind of marxist idea that the proletariat is going to rise up and um was it in 1994 when was it um uh winston, winston was having his conversation with one of his conversations with o'brien is it from the party and winston said uh, hope is with the proles and o'brien sort of dismissed that laughed at him yeah, I mean, I complete with O'Brien on this one. I, I don't think you know the the, the proles, and I don't think we'll ever. I don't think we'll ever see a world of complete equity, where yeah. So, of course not. Well, I'll I'll, I'll never. I, you know, be careful of saying never, but it, uh, yeah, ninety nine point nine nine percent sure it'll never happen. Um, the so what what will happen then? Because I so I think yeah, maybe a maybe the current elite will adopt. Bitcoin from within the elite, there would be, you would have thought people would get it and would use it to further their own interests. Some kind of Caesar figure could emerge in the, in the US who rides the, you know, Trump, people worried about Trump being a Caesar, but he, he doesn't get Bitcoin. He's an idiot, right? So probably not him. Well, you talk about Kevin Yarvin, right? Uh, Curtis Yarvin, yeah. Sorry, Curtis, you talk about Curtis Yarvin and this kind of counterfactual approach to history and i think right. that, that, that's sort of what i'm getting at here is like can we learn from some of these examples where you know the internet maybe is, is a good one to look at recently um you know how did that roll out and how did that emerge and how did it implicitly mm. change the thing that existed in the power structures that existed previously oh. as it went you know mm. it didn't just happen in a vacuum and with something much more fundamental like money mm. that kind of changes itself and it changes everything around it and it's this very emergent effect and i guess i i, I sort of look for sophistication in these arguments and sort of an, an, an analysis and the best that i see is basically free market analysis which is like well bitcoin wins because economics mm -hmm. is, you know is is that purely true is that paradigm still rooted in 20th century scales of economy mm. you know commercial you know capitalism these kinds of systems that are in place is that the end game of everything is, mm. if, does that sort of make sense like yeah well again what does it mean for bitcoin to win right so does it mean it becomes the reserve asset it does it mean the central banks hold bitcoin is that what bitcoin winning means it is does it mean that it's undeniable that bitcoin is the most it's the pristine was it Raul, Raul rugpal used to say pristine collateral or whatever it, like everyone just has to admit that Bitcoin is the is the pristine collateral. Well, well, coming back to some of these Christian things you're talking about. So, mm. for example, and I'm just going to you know throw it mm. out there as an idea: Does Bitcoin winning mean that humans can now have the freedom to devote themselves to God, for example, right. as one just over here, you yeah, know, real yeah. left field hypothetical? 
and take mm. away some of these economic mm. um, imperatives because you know that what was the economics of the pyramids what was the economics mm. of you know the tower of mm. babel you know mm. uh, sorry the tower of babylon what right. what what are these uh what are these organizing systems and, and i mean this is where you get into the communist utopia where you're mm. like well we can be beyond money and then people get you know mm. the, you know their backs up at that but I, I think there really is a space for discussion yeah again i don't see that as coming i mean that if you look at the uh start the star trek world they yeah. didn't have money right so that so yeah i think i think getting to this what do they call that when there's 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 so there's uh, plenty there's a there's a word for that right like um post scarcity yeah that's it so i does it help us to get to post scarcity? Is that is that the question? And then, and then we can focus ourselves entirely on art, the arts, and at what, so again, and philosophy and religion. And I I don't have any opinions on any of this. What I'm I guess curious about, and I mean that's it's all for the for the sake of argument. But what I'm curious about is what what methods can we deploy to discuss these kinds of things? Because I I, I guess. I, I, I don't stand up and say, look, I, this is what I think is going to happen because I, I don't know, right? Mm. But I'm really interested in the the practice of having these discussions. Mm. And I think that's where I, I see deficiencies in the arguments that resort to basically 20th century manufacturing capitalism, these kinds of systems which yeah. only have existed in for the last several hundred years. Mm. You know, prior to that, there were different priorities. Yeah. And this loops, loops, loops back into the spiritual argument because yeah. there's a reason that you could you know, spend all this money doing, or spend all these resources and effectively money to build a cathedral. Mm. It wasn't a productive enterprise in the right. sense that a factory is, but it was this kind of factory of faith and yeah. it was this different kind of vector on which you organize. It's amazing, isn't it? And that, that is the question. To, I mean, that fascinates me to think what motivated people, especially the ones who've laid the first bricks because they knew they would never see the end result. Um it, it is the question to ask because there's something there, right? There's something, and it, like you say, it's completely beyond rational. And and, and I think that's where I, I, I get to where I think if we run out the economic argument, I think it works mm. in a lot of cases, you know, in our day-to-day life. And right now, yeah. you know, there is economics here, but there's also a a, a bigger thing. Yeah. And how does that just whole thing, I don't, and we don't mm. know what it is, it's a bit of a black box, but how does that all work with mm. Bitcoin? How, you know? So I think... <laughs> I think that what happens is if the thesis play, if it's correct that Bitcoin is going to be this pristine collateral, it means that people who adopt Bitcoin early are going to, and they manage to hold on to it, are going to have a lot of power in the in the future. And then those people can then decide what they want to do with that power. And so you'll have a new elite emerge which if you look at, okay, Renaissance or, or something like that, and what did the elite spend their money on? It was it was art or it was cathedrals or, or what have you. Compare that to what the, uh, the Carnegie era, the post-industrial revolution, where it was more what libraries and universities. And mm-hmm. um, so what is, what is this emergent elite of Bitcoiners going to prioritize? What, what are they going to patronize? I would say would be a clue, right, into how into what direction things are going to go. Is would, it will 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 there be a uniformity? Will there be is is there a is there a, a kind of Bitcoiner archetype or type or you know will there be a coalescence of of that economic power amongst Bitcoiners that would become kind of a movement? 
yeah, well, in the world. And that's why I wonder if there are certain traits that emerge. I mean, generally speaking, I think there are commonalities we can find between Bitcoiners. Mm. Um, not all of them, but certainly there are some cultural memes and they're there and they are memes for a reason. Mm. Are those things that are going to transition sort of in, almost in the kind of pro, 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 uh, Protestant kind of way, you know, mm. you have kind of hard work and you know, doing you know, do, doing the labour. Are those kind of values that, that maybe proof of work, the proof like of work, mm. uh, things like uh, privacy, mm. uh, decentralisation? Are these values going to transmit through time? As you know, the Bitcoiners who maybe don't have those values sell out or they sort of oh. fall away from the system. Mm. So it's almost the opposite of mass adoption. It's like it mm. gets harder and harder for the Bitcoiners to exist oh. as the pressure clamps down. I think so. Yeah, I think, I think so. Well, I think Matt O'Dell says, uh, it always stuck with me, that Bitcoin is a game of survival. And like many things, he, he, might, he manages to distill a lot of meaning down into, you know, like stay humble, stack sats. Is one, but I, I think he's, Bitcoin is a game of survival. Is more, uh, it, it behooves you to meditate on that because, to me, just because you have Bitcoin today doesn't mean you're going to have Bitcoin tomorrow. And a lot of people are going to give into the siren call of number go up, and sell for pieces of paper. And a lot of people are going to lose their Bitcoin through carelessness or not having secure enough, not having spent enough time securing. A lot of people are going to have it seized. Right, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I and so the selection is is going to be, I think, as you say, yeah, I think you alluded to there, the selection pressure is going to increase, and th what kind of Bitcoiner is going to survive on the other side? I would imagine it was the paranoid, <laughs> you know, the powerful, maybe the well connected, the already powerful. Yeah, well, I mean, on on that note, though, I mean, I think there is something to be said about the way one lives their daily life mm. and living in paranoia living in fear hmm. i feel like that is a it's a way of existing that maybe breeds itself in the sense that you hmm. you become the thing that you fear like Gollum in lord of the rings right? i always think of him with uh you know when he's uh turns himself into a monster yeah and, and so i mean there's certainly some some allegories around that that we can look at hmm. i mean is it is it possible that there you know more and more people get bitcoin that they get it at you know a very uh, what would you call it so, you know something like the ETF something like a custodial lightning wallet where you mm. know it, it feels like you've got Bitcoin but you don't really have Bitcoin because mm -hmm. when push comes to shove yeah. it's it gets turned off um, and so as one scenario and, and I guess you know ultimately what I'm, I'm really interested in is laying out all these different scenarios all of these different kind of war games for what it looks like um, and not sort of putting my ego into any one of them but actually saying well look these these are the range of sort of possibilities that we've been able to broach you know is one of them that there's less and less bitcoiners over time as they kind of select themselves out and then they can't get back in because if there's no ramps to get into bitcoin mm. no one's going to be wanting to spend any bitcoin they're just mm. hodling through the hard times mm. um you know is it going to mm. be harder and harder to keep that and then eventually you pass through that great filter and then that becomes the new elite that managed to sort of weather the storm. Maybe. As one option, you know? Maybe. I mean, the other thing to ask yourself, I guess, is um, how many... So I can see that number of individuals decrease, who hold Bitcoin decrease, maybe, or that consolidate. But w will we start seeing more... Like a micro strategy is an example today of a, an institution that holds Bitcoin, has a lot of Bitcoin, right? 
um, the US government has a has a. Do they really have Bitcoin now? Because they're using Coinbase custodial solutions, right? Mm, like good good point. I don't know. I mean, that just says yeah. Side. Good point. Good point. No, I don't think they they do. They they have a claim on Bitcoin, which can be to, which is permissioned. So, but yeah, oh, good point. But so for the but for the was it the was it the Indonesian government recently who were mining who were found to be mining it or there was some country right? So I mean, there there are going to be institutions, even nation states. I mean, El Salvador, I guess, owns Bitcoin, right? So, will we start seeing more organizations? Uh, as a, as act, economic actors in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, I guess the counterpoint to all of this, which I, I think there is an undertone of sort of pessimism to this, but the, the you know the, the the other side of it is is just like the internet, and it, and it's all good, and everyone gets on board, and it's happily ever ever after. Mm. And I mean, I mean that's two sort of pathways, right? And that it's sort of almost biblical in the sense, you know, there's the the, the the path of cooperation and, and and love thy neighbor and and just sort of let it be and then there's the pathway of the tyrant and mm-hmm. um you know the the despot and this kind of great evil that descends and i i, I don't know i mean how do you even talk about those two mm. ends of the spectrum mm. what are the nuances i, I mean I, I don't know but uh, sort of the, the thought experiment you know so yeah i Again, I'd push back a little bit on the despot as evil idea. Okay. That I know we're we live in that culture where democracy's held up as the highest good, or you know, it's a it's an, an, a good. It's just assumed, right? And and then uh, a, a quote unquote dictatorship is uh, is seen as evil. There's that dichotomy in the West. Now there can be benevolent dictator, right? So if you you can you you mentioned. Well, you mentioned Dubai, I think, in a negative sense, but a lot of people talk about Dubai in a positive sense, or Singapore. Maybe they are very strict on crime, but but maybe there's certain people within those countries who appreciate that. So, if I correct me if I'm wrong, so you're saying that there's a limit? Is there a limit to the evil of the individual, and is the evil that's possible within a system unlimited? Is that sort of what we're getting at here? That the I think there's no limit to human evil in at the individual or the institutional level. I would say. Okay, because I, I think. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, despot, dictator. I mean, that's it's a word we kind of we we throw out there. But I mean, a lot of evil was perpetrated from these systems, these ministries, these governments, which are effectively, um, you know, organisms of mm. their own. You know, people mm-hmm. come in and out, but the thing exists with like a you know, beehive. Yeah, yeah, hive mentality, and we saw that obviously most recently with with COVID and the, mm. and the thing, all, all that that entails. Um, you, you know, perhaps there were key people who made decisions, but the mm. the kind of the collective unconscious of that organism mm. was able to project evil onto the world. Mm. Um, and with good intentions, as evil often is, right? That's the worst kind, actually. Yes. Um, yeah, I, but yeah, evil exists in, in, I would say, in every human heart, and then, you know, and that that can manifest itself in in really really harmful, really terrible ways, where unimaginable ways, right? And um, um, COVID was one example of that. You know, I feel like that was a warning shot. Like it could have been a lot worse. Um, but, and it was kind of. Kind of depre- it was kind of depressing to see how many people went along with it, and I'll call them COVIDians. They almost adopted COVID as a religion, which is really, I, I would say, sad more than anything from my point of view. 
some people really seem to put their identity into wearing masks and getting vaxxed. And you, you even had people getting tattoos, right, of, of their favorite Moderna versus Pfizer. So that, that was depressing. That was a little sad. On the other hand, there's been a lot of people who I feel sort of got the red pill during, during, those, during that period and have kind of decided to do something about it, right, and, and, and join movements like the Bitcoin movement. Do you, do you think the role of discussion, uh, discourse, just having a, a chat over a beer uh, has, has become more and more relevant and more and more prominent post-COVID? I mean, do you, do you see that with, I mean, Bitcoin or just in any kind of conversation, the, the, the re-emergence of this kind of conversation culture? Conversation is in people who don't necessarily, people are different sides of an argument. Yeah. So like a liberal and a, uh, a, a, a Democrat and a Republican, for example, or in terms of healing that divide, you mean, or just in... So I think step one is just people having conversations, maybe amongst people with uh, aligned ideas. Maybe mm. a stretch goal would be mm. conversations across the divide, which I don't see so much of. But certainly no. I feel like there's been a re-emergence of people like you and I talking like this. Right. And it didn't feel like that was happening a few mm. years ago, at least not, mm. you know. That's uh, true. Uh, not, not around me. Yeah. I think podcasts have really helped with that. I mean... It's uh, was it Peterson who Jordan uh, Jordan Peterson who called it a, a Gutenberg revolution the podcast and he and he made a, some some good points because he said you know not everyone can read and the Gutenberg revolution was about uh, democratization of information but that was accessible actually at that, that point only to people who read Latin and but but with um, with podcasts you know everybody can listen. And what we've seen from the success of the likes of Joe Rogan is people really like long-form conversations. Lots of people do. Well, it's also a different mode of discussion because it's it's spoken, it's more real. You know, you're not outlining these paragraph-type mm. answers. You're you're trying to find truth together. Yeah. And I think that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice and, and hopeful to see that grow a little bit further into a mainstream place where... Okay. Would it? I think they'll ruin it. You I think it's mainstream little rune. I mean, cause have you ever heard any mainstream podcasts? They're, they're terrible. They're it's difficult it, to listen yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, They always have, I, I can always tell straight away when they've got like this kind of <laughs> little jazzy, jazzy intro. When the, when the jazzy intro is a big red flag. And yeah. it's like, um, we used to have this this ad, uh, this TV ad in New Zealand for this like, um, it was called Ajax Spray and Wipe. And it was like, a, like you know, you spray and clean the table. And, and it was like this, like, like they were all like strung out and like, having to clean up a really messy house and it was just this like the tension and the, mm. the music mm. there's something commercial about that there's something fake or what is it what's the word i'm looking it, for it's it's like you know running around in a busy tokyo tra train station trying to you know, find something <laughs> and, and it's like this kind of nightmare situation whereas slowing it down mm. but can we i mean can we bring that slow slow growth back into broader discussions to the mainstream so you i guess because i remember growing up you know, you would look to the likes of the BBC and let's say the FT newspaper as sources of, I guess they were sane and they were worth listening to. Listening to. They, they kind of set the tone of the conversation. You could trust them, right? We can't trust them anymore. Absolutely not. And maybe, <laughs> and maybe couldn't back then. And maybe that's just because there was no alternatives and we were more naive. I don't know. But I guess your question, could we get back to that 
So Nine, early nineties kind of. Well, I mean, I, I go back further. Can we go? I mean, uh, this is pre-Christian, pre-Christian, but I mean, uh, how do we go back to Socratic dialogue? How do we go uh, back to the Greeks and the city-states and the the forums and the you know uh, the way of discussing things? Wasn't that always a, an elite pursuit, though? Even back then. Yeah, I guess so, but. I mean, it was more. It was still accessible. It was. It was out mm. in the street. Mm. You know, it wasn't in the high tower. And uh, I mean, what well, I mean, we're in a an old office building mm. here in Tokyo doing this thing. You know, we don't have a studio. We don't have mm-hmm. you know any high tech green screens yeah. or anything. Don't need it. And even take the gear away. All we mm. need is a place to sit and a couple and of an beers. iPhone or, or yeah. you know uh, pixel with graphene. Uh, little shout out to the privacy. Yeah, minded. Um, <laughs> And, and I think this, I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like within the discussions I've been you know, privileged to have and very thankful, it almost feels like we're going back to this kind of royal society kind mm. of thing. But that actually, the, the negative to that is we're coming back to your your humanism here because it's an enlightenment idea that Maybe. we can somehow talk our way out of it maybe but i, I mean i i would think i would so i would my frame of reference would be maybe like first century christianity where they had they met in people's houses that was the church of, 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 of that they didn't have church buildings right they only just emerged as a, as a separate faith of judaism so they'd go to the uh, synagogue on the saturday and then they'd meet at people's houses on the sunday to celebrate the eucharist the, the lord's they'd, supper they'd have a meet up they have a meter, and it, but it was it, it was decentralized, right? Yeah. If you look, if you go back and look at Paul's letters, like Paul would write letters to the different churches around Asia Minor, and it was, it was so it was this decentralized. It was very similar, and and I'm I'm sounding now like I'm making Bitcoin out to be a religion, but I'm, I'm not. But but I, I guess in just in terms of it being um, this kind of revolution of people with these different ideas to the mainstream meeting up and actually and just in this kind of punk almost punk way building something up from the from the ground up the grassroots in that sense you know what we're doing is similar to that um and and that could be a good thing i mean when, when was the last time that happened so when was the last wait you mentioned what, what was the one you mentioned the um, industrial revolution was it was it so because i know i haven't studied this in depth but i know they used to uh, meet in cafes in paris or whatever and they'd have these discussions well, it was that yeah was that the last time we had this kind of thing this i think so because you you had i mean the scottish enlightenment you had right. uh, industrial revolution you know these guys and in, in a lot of cases they were an, an elite they had free time you know james right. james clerk maxwell you know that all these guys were able to just mess around and build telescopes and build mm. experiments and things and um you know um james watt and, and you know all of mm. these kind of great um, figures in that period mm. had the free time to kind of basically fuck around. What gave them that free time? Was that the wealth from the Industrial Revolution? Uh, well, this would have been uh, well, in some in some cases prior to the Industrial Revolution. So perhaps right. I mean I'd have to look into it, but I imagine they were aristocrats. Right. Okay. Uh, they own they own land, and so mm. they had the free time to mess around. Um, and there was a moment, and then you know, at a later date, you had the salon culture emerge. Oh, that's 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 the one, the salon culture. And right. that was sort of the emergence mm. of Nietzsche and, and mm. sort of philosophy and kind of um, these mm. kind of ideas. It was a bit later on, but it was like you you had a place where people could meet in real life mm. and have discussions that were quite deep, uh, extended. There were people coming in and out of it. Um, I mean, it was a free market for ideas, I guess. And it feels like, in many ways, that's what we're going through at the moment. Interesting. 
And yeah, could could what could well be. And I guess the sort of books that emerge from that movement. I and I'm, again, I'm not that familiar with it. Maybe you could. You mentioned Nietzsche, but so I guess we're seeing that in Bitcoin with not only podcasts, but we also have our own body of literature, right? I I'm, I don't know. It's a question. Do you, would yeah. you say that that's the case? I, there's certainly. I mean, and I mean, I think the platform. I mean, books are kind of a legacy medium now. I think the mm. platform is Twitter. Uh, or oh, X. don't say that. Uh, or, or, Not even on it. Uh, or something like uh, Stacking News or Nostra right, or one right. of these. I mean, basically, it's it's online. It's right, mimetic. You know, right, the books right. are the kind of long format, but the right. actual day-to-day yes. Stay Humble, Stack Sats, yeah. that encompasses mimetically so yes. much. Yeah, it does. And you read the book later, but you get mm. that little piece at the beginning. Mm. and Not your keys, not your Bitcoin, etc. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And so that is how this movement is being disseminated hmm. and I, I wonder I mean I'd have to do a, a, a look and I'd have to look into it but you know how were these ideas originally disseminated at these different points in time these junctures of human thought huh. were they tombs of knowledge or were they there must have been memes as well right like it was pithy kind of yeah, little sound bites there must have been that you heard overheard in a in a, in a cafe mm. somewhere or that you you know were talking about it in, in the royal society and you think oh fuck that's a good idea hmm. I'm going to go home and, and mull over it hmm. And it sort of encodes a lot of deeper meaning into the idea. And especially the, the, the prerequisite, though, is that you need people who are willing to think about things. Mm. And I think that was sort of, that's what we have now. We've got people who, you, you know, because it's easy to say no and say, look, I'm not interested in Bitcoin. But if you've got someone who says, okay, well, you honestly tell me about it and then I'll go and do my own research. That person's going to find the answer. But it requires that sort of intellectual openness kind of curiosity hmm. and i think we're beginning to have that now we're beginning to see more and more people say okay cool i'll, I'll think about it and then they come at it with a different angle a different lens and then they add to the body of work this kind of proof of work collectively that we've developed yeah i think for me bitcoin is is lud- ludicrous it's it's <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a computer science experiment it's 15 years old it's it's so absurd to think of putting your money in this thing. For me, it, it, it could be zero, it could be zero. There could be a bug in the code uh, that knocks ninety percent off the value tomorrow. Yeah. So I think for me, what was what what made me embrace Bitcoin, I guess, as the answer was just realizing how much worse the actual legacy financial system was. I think that was. I think that is where most people are coming to Bitcoin. I think unless you think you know the clown world meme yeah unless you see the world the current institutions as clown world why would you mess around with something as dangerous and, and experimental and unprecedented as bitcoin and so I, I i read the the ft here today before i came and um i thought those guys were coming around to bitcoin there was like two i, I think it was the weekend ft i read the monday there was like two or three hit pieces on bitcoin still in there. so they they still don't get it, and I don't think they ever will because they they don't think the world is a clown. They don't think the institutions are clown world. They don't they don't understand that yet. They th- they think the New York Times is is what is the tagline on the New York Times? All all the things worth Demo- print, democracy, democracy dies in, in, the, the, yeah, in the dark. Ludicrous, right? So they still believe that they they unironically believe that they believe themselves. They they believe in the you know Washington and all of and the and the UN and all all. All of that, and and so, the, yeah, of course they wouldn't like. To me, the bit the Bitcoiner is someone who's a, who just feels despair 
at the crumbling institutions around them and it's almost this desperate jump like it's like someone in a burning building it's like well you can you jump from the fourth story and probably break your legs who knows or maybe you'll, you'll bounce on the something down below but but if you stay here you're going to die so i i almost see bitcoin as like that and so i think the only the only people who are going to get it are going to be some people who just how dissatisfied whatever for whatever reason like 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 they're they're disagreeable people by nature or or for whatever reason they've got a chip on their shoulder and they just don't they just don't get along with the it's, it's interesting you mention that though because i i almost have the opposite experience which is that the the cynical and and i think cynicism you know just generally as we see it is such a, a disease you know this kind mm. of um meh kind of you know i don't mm. care it doesn't matter um right and so the i would expect the most cynicism of clown world to come from legacy institutions you know oh you know and, and it kind of does in a surface sense it's oh you know biden's doing this oh it's terrible or trump's doing that it's terrible but it, it, it isn't critical of a, of a deeper level of organization and on the other hand certainly my own experience is that you know bitcoin it just kind of makes sense and you know i, I don't I, I maybe debate you know apo versus ctv or whatever mm. some technical thing but yeah. I don't even really even debate that. I just sort of try and entertain the different realities that they, mm. both those things mean. But actually, generally speaking, I'm like, yeah, this, this kind of works. And it's almost naive. It's almost like faith. It's like, yeah, it, it, it kind of works. Mm. Uh, it hasn't failed. And my, my mm. Bitcoin's all good. Um, time to do something else and focus on you know my own work. And I just leave my Bitcoin stuff to be all good. Mm. If, if that sort of makes sense. Like I don't. You know, I don't sort of stress about Bitcoin. It just, it, it like, it just works. It makes sense, but I think you probably do have to stress about Bitcoin. Like that, that and that's the thing about. So I would, I would rather just not mess around with things like APO and CTV. Oh yeah, I mean we don't have, have to go there. No, but, yeah. but I mean it's, but you have to, you have to because I mean, you know, and, and MVK does a good job of articulating this. He understands, you know, of um, Bitcoin review. Um, cold card he understands the game theory and how screwed we are potentially going I mean in terms of keeping hold of your Bitcoin against the attacks that are coming when you think about everything out there in terms of the AI improvements in AI and in 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 hackers ability to break into your computing setup and extract a secret is only going to increase in sophistication and um, scale and scope that they're able to do that and so something like covenants can help you secure your coins uh, you can have uh, reactive security right um, and so probably for those who are going to keep their bitcoin in, so I'm talking maybe a decade two decade whatever whatever the time frame these survivors we've been talking about are going to be people who keep up to date with uh, the custodian, yeah. like how to custody and 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 implement and move their coins to like a, co a covenant like structure, right? So so you do. I think you do have to stress in that set in the set. And you don't have to panic, but you have to kind of you you have to understand that this is there's a response like massive self responsibility. And 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 if you lose your coins because someone hacked you, guess what? That's on you. And to me, that's on you. Like I, I think I think you're right. I, I may have yeah I may have contradicted myself there. Like I think I certainly am absolutely listening and watching and reading and studying mm. all of this stuff but it's it's not like a cynical mode of engaging with it you know i'm not like ah oh, you know 
it's like um do you know the, the meme of matthew mcconaughey like and he's yeah. like smoking and his eyes oh, yeah. are wide open and he's like okay what you know what's going on like it feels yeah. like that it's, it feels like it's a more pure it's like yeah we're in the driver's seat now oh. there's, there's no fucking around it's not like oh you know what's biden done now it's like no this is mm. life and death and it's almost mm. it's like pressure but it's not stress it's not cognitive it's not like uh you know oh what's what's going on now you know mm. who's invaded who but yeah. like, no, no. this is life or death stuff and it almost yeah. at that level it's like well you just have to accept it yeah and run with it and it's like yeah we're fucking we're running it now baby yeah i i don't have the same level feeling of agency quite the same maybe but i, I i've been getting into chess lately and uh i've been studying the game for the last year quite intensely I, I i highly recommend it really really entertaining game but um for me it feels like always feels like a like a very complicated chess position that you know in the game of chess you have, you're trying to checkmate your opponent but you're obviously you've also got to st- pre- prevent your opponent's attacks and ideas and and it feels like bitcoin is like that and it's playing out there's a number of threats on the board you have to really th- sit down and calculate and think deeply about um and if you don't i feel like you, you there's a sucker punch uh there's a sucker punch waiting for you because there's just so many ways this can go wrong there's so many ways you can you can lose your bitcoin and i you know so uh, yeah and it doesn't mean you have to stress you can even enjoy the process right it's it's intellectually stimulating well it's, it's i mean you, you play chess i mean i i do jujitsu and um right it's similar, Sim- you know, similar right yeah you, you know you mess up you're going to get choked out yeah know? um and if you don't tap quick enough, you're gonna, mm. you know, break an arm or something. So, look, man, I think today we've we've covered some good stuff. I think. I mean, I, what I really like, I, I think of it, you know, like sort of throwing the cards out on the table and saying, okay, look, well, this, these are all the pieces we've got. And what I like about talking with you, Dash, is yeah, I feel like you've got a, a real solid grounding in a lot of these areas. But it's also you're open to just discussing what the cards are and sort of how mm. they how they relate to each other you know i don't yeah. think now is the time to be dogmatic mm. you know we, no. we haven't built the temples yet or anything no. yet we're we're seeing dogma start to emerge in bitcoin around mm. what is right what is wrong what is and i mean in terms of what the code uh, should be and how that um uh, let me rephrase that well you know we're coming into a, a phase now where you know something like covenants is a discussion is a talking point and and how we judge that how we talk about that it feels like it's starting to sort of get solidified and 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 the way we debate feels like it's Mm. ossifying a little bit if you know what i mean like we're not we're not making these sweeping changes like we were five years ago Mm. and at the same time you know with ai you talk about the risk of ai kind of getting into your computer but i think the real risk is that it fakes uh, rough consensus and it feels like you know there's all of the support for like what do they call that the um astroturfing or something like that so you'd, you'd get this emer- like all these thousands of pup- sock puppet accounts saying we, we need APO now or, yeah yeah right? and, and, it, and it makes you feel like you've got um, you know there's this over- overwhelming uh, imperative to do something or to change the mm. code that you're running on your node or whatnot yeah and, and there's all of this stuff and, and I mean again I, I sort of put it all into Bitcoinism and uh, I think just at least throwing it out there and saying okay these are the talking points in the future i hope we can pick more of these up and really dive into them mm. um but yeah it's i mean thank you for yeah sharing your thoughts yeah yeah anytime yeah enjoyed it all right man thank you cool
Thank you for listening. I do hope you enjoyed the show. I am Cody Allingham, and that was the transformation of value. If you would like to get in touch, please send me an email at hello at the transformation of value.com and I will get back to you.